What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I'm Dr. Gina, and welcome to Prime Time. It is another day of the Biden border crisis. And I'll tell you what, I am so upset from this story that I saw over the weekend. Joe Biden's border crisis claimed yet another life, but this time a nine-year-old little girl died in the Rio Grande River while trying to cross our southern border. And I want to know, when will Joe Biden or any of his cronies be held accountable? If this had happened under the Donald Trump administration, AOC would be doing photo shoots all over the border pretending to cry, and Time magazine would show a little girl drowning on the cover while Trump watches her drown. And you know this is how it would go. But now that Biden's in the White House, absolute crickets. If you even heard the story, you're one up on most Americans. And this problem is not going to just go away. The total number of minor children in U.S. custody is over 18,000. And that number is growing by 1,000 per day. So it's probably over 20,000 by now. And over at Just the News, they're reporting that Border Patrol agents are busy arrested, arresting convicted sex offenders who are making their way across our southern border. We're being invaded. But you know that if any of this had happened during Donald Trump's time in, in office, the mainstream news media would be losing their minds over and over. It's all you would hear. Wall-to-wall news coverage, cover of every newspaper, and they would sensationalize it beyond what it even is. But I don't know how you sensationalize a nine-year-old child who came here by invitation of this administration. Is it Joe Biden? Is it Kamala Harris now that he's put Kamala in charge? I guess you just blame both. The bottom line is there is a dead child because of their invitation to come to our country right now. And that brings us to our fake news alert. Our friends over at Media Research Center made a montage of clips that flip back and forth between their Biden border coverage and the way they cover Trump and border stories. Listen. Well, the images suggest those of concentration camps. The Statue of Liberty, I think, is weeping right now. There's no denying that this is an incredibly complex humanitarian issue that's, of course, made even more difficult by the fact that we're dealing with this in the midst of a pandemic. He will be forever remembered as the president who traumatized little children. A lot of these children are part of a problem that the Biden administration inherited from the Trump administration. The system is broken inside of the country. Increasingly, Donald Trump is turning this nation into Nazi Germany and turning these into concentration camps. I call this a concentration camp for kids. Obviously, this is a problem that the Biden administration inherited from the Trump administration. Babies in jail. Babies in baby cages. Challenges facing U.S. Border Patrol amid this migrant surge. Babies 
in jail. A very, very tough situation that the Biden administration now needs to contend with. Something that's very difficult for the federal government to deal with at the border. Children are being marched away to showers. I know they're being marched away to showers, just like the Nazis. You have a lot of border agents, you know, we know the union was very pro-Trump, who are now starting to just leak out videos un anonymously, which can be very dangerous where we don't know where things are coming from. We begin this afternoon with the wails of children. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't suppose they'll be doing any of that for this little nine-year-old girl that is gone because of the Biden border disaster. Anyway, we're going to talk more about this, but we have the, uh, we're going to be talking more about this actually with uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, but first we're going to head out to our hosts and correspondents around America. Let's start in Denver, Colorado with Jessica Rivera. Jessica, what do you have for us today? Well, Dr. Gina, officials still have not released any information on a motive in last week's Boulder, Colorado mass shooting at a grocery store by suspected uh, gunman Ahmad Al-Isa. But in the meantime, I spoke with director of Jihad Watch, an expert in Islam and Jihad, Robert Spencer. Spencer has also uh, led Islam and Jihad seminars for the FBI, the military, and various U.S. intelligence agencies. And here's what he believes Al-Isa's motives was. Well, I think this is pretty clearly a jihad massacre. It's after the pattern of jihad massacres we have seen many times in Europe. Of course, in Europe, uh, it's virtually impossible to get a gun, so most of those have been stabbings, but not all of them. And of course, Alissa obtained his gun legally, passed background checks and all that, so the push for gun control is completely off the point. It's just part of trying to further use anything to further the Democrat agenda. But uh, Alissa... Is, is very clearly following the call of the Islamic State to murder civilians in the West ra at random. This is a call that ISIS has made repeatedly and is based on the idea that all Americans are guilty because of American uh, involvement in military action to destroy the ISIS caliphate in Iraq and Syria. And Dr. Gina Spencer says America doesn't have a gun violence problem, rather we have, our nation has a mental illness and jihad problem. I also asked Spencer about the crisis at the southern border and if he thought the jihad problem was any way connected to our southern border. And he says absolutely, since recently there have been Iranians, Bangladeshi nationals, Afghans and others from jihadi hotspots disguising themselves as either Mexicans or Central and South Americans in order to gain entrance to commit jihad on American soil. So, Dr. Gina, our problems at the southern border are multifaceted and are a lot bigger than some actually realize. Yeah, no question, Jessica. It's not just some sort of refugees coming across the border seeking some sort of asylum. We're way beyond that. We have terrorists. We have uh, human traffickers. We have drug traffickers. All of that coming across our border. And I certainly appreciate you, um, and, and I always appreciate Robert Spencer's perspective. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Now let's head out to our host of Just the News AM, Sophie Mann in Washington, D.C. Sophie, go ahead. Hey, Dr. G. It's Monday, so you know that means it's time for a Cuomo update. Last week, we learned that New York Governor Andrew Cuomo had offered preferential treatment to his family members, including CNN anchor Chris Cuomo, during the early days of the pandemic. What this meant was that while New York 
while coronavirus was raging across New York and tests, coronavirus tests were in extremely short supply, the governor sent concierge doctors, essentially, who were members, high-ranking members of the New York State Health Department, to his family members' houses to do coronavirus tests for them. This is when everybody was scared, didn't know what was going on. Uh, Chris Cuomo, uh, as we all remember, about a year ago, documented his bout with COVID-19 for his viewers. What they didn't know at the time was that he was experiencing privileged treatment from his brother, the governor. CNN actually even came out with a statement last week supporting Chris's actions, basically saying that anybody in his position would have done exactly what he did. Of course, not everybody gets to have the governor as a brother. But even more shocking, now according to a new report from the New York Post, uh, all of this was going on while state representatives in various parts of New York were desperate for coronavirus tests for the elderly populations in their nursing homes. So while Governor Cuomo was sending these tests to his family members, to Chris, um, he was ignoring the pleas of various state representatives who just wanted some spare tests for their elderly populations who didn't know what was going on, who needed to be tested while they were in their state care facilities. This report, though, of course, the Cuomo administration denies it, has been added to the evidence that is mounting in the governor's official impeachment investigation that's going on in the New York State House. Um, of course, the governor remains under investigation for a variety of other behavior, including uh, the workplace environment he created for women for many years throughout the governor's mansion. Uh, so this is just going to be another piece of evidence that feeds right into that narrative um, and, you know, not limited to, but of course, including the March, the, fam the infamous March 2020 order that he sent to nursing homes that require them to accept positive coronavirus patients from hospitals that led to the very quick spread of the disease through the nursing homes and the uh, his administration's proceeding to undercount severely the numbers of um, elderly patients who ended up succumbing to the disease because of that order. So as always, we'll keep you updated as this ridiculous story continues to unfold in pretty much every direction that there is. If you are one of those families who lost someone in a nursing home, this story has got to enrage you even further. I feel so badly for them. It just seems like more news breaks on this story, Sophie, just about every single day. Thank you so much. Now let's head out to our news editor at Just the News, Joseph Weber. Joe, I know you have your eye on the Derek Chauvin trial. As we all know, he's being tried for the murder of George Floyd. And that incident was used as justification for the riots and the destruction we saw all across the country. Joe, what is the latest on that? Well, we heard opening arguments today from the defense and the prosecution. Uh, Jerry Blackwell for the prosecution, he made it very clear that his uh, case is going to evolve center on two things. The video, uh, nine minutes and 29 seconds. I can't tell you how many times I heard him say that number uh, in the course of his opening arguments, which are about 30 minutes. While the defense is going to suggest that uh, there's more to it than um, the autopsy and that video, that there's a totality of evidence that goes beyond that video. They've talked to 400 witnesses. They have over 50,000 pieces of evidence stamped. Um, and that when all of the facts come out, it will be go beyond this one piece of video. Now, I think what's interesting, maybe the most exciting part of this is Danella Frazier, the seven, girl who was 17, year old, 17 years old at the time did, um, when she filmed the video. She may well testify. Will officer or ex-officer Chauvin testify? It's unclear. I know that you've covered trials as, many, as much as I have, 
And I think it's really going to come down to where the trial stands when it gets late and just the, when the defense team figures, do they need to put him out there or not? So that still remains to be seen. Yeah, you know, Joe, I talked to a couple people that have watched the thing in totality. I tried to tune in, but um, through different portions. But I'm hearing that there are just two completely, frankly, different stories being told, you know, uh, between the prosecution between the prosecution and the defense. I'll get this out. Is that is that your take on it as well? It is. It was like as if you were watching a parallel universe uh, when the prosecution yeah. went first and they laid out their 30 minutes of it. And then the defense team laid out their um, their case. And it was completely different. Like, like they did, like I wouldn't point out to you, like if, with all prosecutors uh, in their opening arguments, they're going to tell you uh, what the defense team is, is going to say. And then they're going to tell you why that's wrong, too. So um, Mr. Yeah. Blackwell was very particular about making the case. Uh, never mind the fact that um, George Floyd had fentanyl, that he tried to swallow the pills, that he had preconditioned pre pre heart um, problem before the, the arrest. Dismissed all of that, told the jurors that, you know, focus, just focus on this video, focus on the official autopsy report. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much, Joe. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Coming up, Texas Attorney, Attorney General Ken Paxton is on the front lines of the Biden border crisis, and he's up next with us. You don't want to miss what he has to say. More Dr. Gina Primetime coming at you right after this. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Biden border crisis, it is at a boiling point. But the administration believes they can just sweep this under the rug. They think that they can hide this crisis from the press, but some video and pictures are being leaked from both Republicans and Democrats who have access to those facilities on the border. Senator Ted Cruz tried to get some video of the overcrowded and inhumane conditions at the border. Here's what happened. Please give dignity to the people. Please give dignity to the people. So you work for the commissioner, your senior advisor. You were hired two weeks ago, and you're instructed to ask us to not have any pictures taken here. Please respect the people. Because the, the political rules. leadership at DHS does not want the American people to know it. Please respect the rules, You keep sir. standing in, in front of the pictures, Please so you don't want the, the pictures taken. The rules are arbitrary, Please and they're designed the to keep the American the people, people in the dignity dark. and respect. That's all we ask. Well, dignity no, it's and not. respect. You're asking, is this Please. dignity and respect? Look Please at these people. There, there's a pandemic. Please give dignity and respect to the people. Let, let me ask, ask you. And as I told you in the last block, I am tremendously upset about the story of a little nine-year-old girl who lost her life in the Rio Grande River trying to cross into the United States at the invitation of Joe Biden in his campaign. But will Joe Biden be held accountable or Kamala Harris since he put her in charge of the border so that he could be hands off? Here with me now to discuss the man on the front lines of this battle, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. Attorney General Paxton, great to see you. Thanks for being with us today. Hey, glad to be out. Thanks for having me. Tell me, 
you've got to, first I want to give you a chance to react to the story of this little girl. I'm so very upset about this. I guess my maternal something was really, it's not that, you know, we know that there are little girls and boys being raped on the border like crazy. Our own Ben Burkwam has done a phenomenal job. In fact, he has led all media. He was there before any other media was there on the border recording uh, the the caves and the camps where he saw sexual paraphernalia for the raping that was taking place without going into detail on that. Um, we have photos of, of this. Um, we know about the drugs. We know about the fentanyl that has killed so many of our own friends. I have numerous friends I can name right now that have lost children to the fentanyl that has come across the border from Mexico. And of course, this has slowed way down under President Trump. But then you have Joe Biden, who invited people across the border. He told them that's why they're carrying Biden flags and wearing Biden sweatshirts. Attorney General, so how do we fix something like this? Or do we have four more years of dead, raped children? Well, it's incredibly sad, this nine-year-old girl, but there, as you just said, there are more than those stories. There's going to be more stories just like it. And the sad thing is that it's so predictable. This is exactly what happened under Obama when he invited people to come up through Central yep. America, through Mexico, the same thing happened, the same results happened. So when Joe Biden did it, it was even worse because he knew exactly what we were, we were going to be in for. He knew about the crime. He knew about the sex trafficking. He knew about the drug use. He, he even knew about the COVID and what's going on with the spread of COVID with these kids. As you saw, all of these kids are in a small area. And even if only 10% are testing positive, by the time they leave, they're all going to end up with COVID and other diseases that are being brought in. If this had happened under a Donald Trump administration, I want you to paint that scenario for me. What would they have done with this? been rightly indignant. There would have been just uh, a weeping and gnashing of teeth by the media, and they would have been right to do that. What's so shocking is that they're willing because of politics to turn their head away and not pay attention to what's going on right in front of us, which is a complete humanitarian disaster. And where's the outrage of people close to the Biden administration? I mean, I can tell you, you know, people like you and I worked hard to elect Donald Trump, but if Donald Trump had thrown open the borders and let this kind of humanitarian and uh, national security crisis take place, I would have been the first one with the loudest mouth on every platform I had saying this is wrong. Why is no one calling out this administration when we have dead babies? I don't understand it. There are things that are more important than protecting the American people, than protecting even these children from coming across. There's some higher calling, whatever it is, I, don't, I can't explain it, but it's certainly not to the benefit of anybody in America that I can tell. And it's certainly not to the benefit of even these children who are risking their lives coming up here because they're being invited to come. So they're at great risk when the president says come. And then they have increased risk because they, they're coming into a place where we're not ready for them and we don't have detention centers that can hold them. Story over at Just the News, our partners here, um, has this headline. Predators on the rise. Border Patrol agents arrest several convicted sex offenders at the border. Attorney General, these people are pouring into your state 
Every state is affected, but you are right there. And I lived in San Diego before this. I saw people cross the border all the time. We dealt with the fallout from that. That impacted, by the way, mostly the border towns, which were mostly legal immigrants who were still trying to make their way to the American dream. You're being forced to deal with this every single day in Texas. It must feel incredibly helpless right now. It is incredibly helpless, especially when you end up meeting some of these families that have been harmed. They've lost someone because of a murder, or they've they've had you know children that have been affected along the border. It's meeting these families. I wish Joe Biden would come meet some of the families that have been affected by this in a negative way. It might mm -hmm. open his eyes to what's really going on. That he's really inviting violent crime at times that is going to take lives. Border Patrol has released about two thousand people into the U.S. without supplying a notice to appear in court. I thought it was 150 people that they have released without a notice to appear, but it's actually uh, getting now closer to 2,000 people they released. That is an exact quote from Democratic Rep Henry Quaylar of uh, Texas. So uh, what, what do you make of, I mean, I guess he's the one who's actually coming out and saying anything, so I just said no one is. I guess he is. Um, but there aren't many. And, and what do you make of this uh, lack of responsibility really is what it is. I mean, when people are dying in ways and in numbers and bringing COVID into the country, which we haven't even addressed yet, um, but we have sexual predators being arrested at the border. Border, We know we're missing a lot of them. We have terrorists coming across the border. We know we're missing a lot of them as well. I knew all about the terrorist cells that were just on the other side of the border when I lived in San Diego, because you know how I knew? Because the people that came over from Mexico would tell me. <laughs> and so this isn't something that we're fantasizing about. And and yet media crickets from the alphabet soup traditional media. So the president and his administration has complete disdain and disregard for the law because we have laws in this country that have been passed by Congress and been voting out, voted on that have been vetted, that have been gone through committee and been transparently passed. And the president said, look, you can come to this country for 100 days and probably keep coming, and we're not going to do anything about that. That's obviously why Texas is sued, but it's that narrative that's pulling people into this country at tremendous risk to them and tremendous risk to the American people. With your level of knowledge about the law, I just want to ask you, why shouldn't this administration be held on treason? Because an invasion is happening at our border. There's no question about that. I mean, to, to somebody who is not an attorney like me, but loves our Constitution, this seems like a slam dunk. They tried to impeach Donald Trump every time the wind blew. Why is there no action of this sort against this administration when people are literally dying because of their actions? I think the answer is the drumbeat from the media with President Trump. There wasn't a day that went by that he wasn't attacked for every possible, on every possible front, every possible angle, whether it was true or not, he had to deal with it. Joe Biden seems to get a pass, despite the disaster, which everybody knows is a disaster, and humanitarian crisis where you know, both sides, the kids and the, and the people living in this country are being affected in a negative way, and yet there's no real accountability for him. There's no call for accountability. There's no expectation that he's gonna stop. There's no expectation that he's gonna follow the law. It's just okay because it's a liberal policy. Joe Biden says Kamala is in charge, but she and Joe Biden, neither one, have even made a trip to the border to do anything about any of this. So what do you make of that? It's pretty sad that they haven't at least shown up because clearly there are problems down here. And apparently they don't want to call attention to it because they're not letting the media see this 
They don't even want the senators to, to show what's to document what's going on. They want no documentation. The president doesn't want to call attention to it because he knows it's a disaster. And I think that's it. I think they're avoiding the fact that this is a true disaster and they don't want to explain it. They just want to keep doing it. And then, of course, to contrast that, as there is such great contrast, it seems, at every turn between the last administration and this administration, rumor has it President Trump may make an appearance at the border. What impact might that have? Significant, because it's going to call attention to the problems down there since President Biden won't show up and won't be responsible for his actions. And he's even blaming President Trump for what's going on, which is ridiculous. At least President Trump can highlight some of the problems so that maybe the media will start holding Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris accountable for what they're doing. Absolutely. All right. Well, Attorney General Ken Paxton, we sure appreciate you being with us today. Thank you so much. And just want you to know that your state uh, is in our prayers and your leadership there is appreciated. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Coming up, Georgia passed an election reform law, and we're going to talk about it. You're going to want to know about it. Will it work? This is going to be the topic of everything that matters for the next, well, two years and four years, as a matter of fact. So you're not going to want to miss this. Stay tuned. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. The brand new Georgia election reform law has been signed into law and has Democrats all up in arms. The most horrendous part from the Democrats' perspective is that voters have to actually prove who they are. Imagine that. Here is what they said on MSNBC about how much Republicans must hate black voters because of this. These are the kind of people who will pass a law to keep Jesus from beginning a cup of water while he's dying on the cross. Yeah, that, that, is, that is sad but true. That and then Joe Biden at his press conference the other day said this about the Georgia election law. And so I'm convinced that we'll be able to stop this because it is the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. I mean, this is gigantic what they're trying to do. Exactly, is that Jim Eagle? We we are all we're we're taking surveys. We want to know who who Jim Eagle is. Maybe my next guests know. We have Phil Klein from the Amistad Project, and we have Georgia State Representative Vernon Jones with us. Thank you both for being with us today. Thank you, Phil Klein. To you first. What? What? Why are the Democrats so scared? about a about this new Georgia law. They seem to want identification. They for, they want to make us have an ID that says we've had the COVID vaccine, for crying out loud, before we can even get on an airline or go to a sporting event. So why in the world is going to a sporting event or getting on an airline less important, Phil, than your, your sacred honor to vote? Well, ensuring that every legal vote is properly counted 
is not a racist objective. And in fact, it's been the aim of election laws ever since they were first passed that allowed citizens to express themselves at the polls. Now, here's what happened in 2020, Gina, and I know you know this, and, and Vernon can probably speak into this as well. What we had instead was an influx of private money to the tune of over $400 million that got government involved in exactly what Joe Biden is decrying, government determining who's going to turn out to vote and putting their thumb on the scale. And that's what happened in Georgia. Voter ID is treating the symptom, but not the problem. The problem was Mark Zuckerberg money. Everywhere that money touched, you had a break in the chain of custody of the ballots. You had consolidated counting centers without both parties being present. You had work stoppages, and you have doubt about the outcome of the election. So that's the issue that we need to address, and they're trying to cover it with a racist smear against anybody who has hesitation about a private person putting more money into the election, into government, than the federal government itself. I would think all of us would have questions about that. But Phil, the drop boxes were addressed in this law as well, right? They were, but again, that's the symptom and not the disease. We call them Zucker boxes. They've addressed them partially, but the Georgia bill actually falls short of prohibiting private money it would allow the same private funds to go again and be used in a more creative manner than drop boxes. Ah. So they, they didn't address the, the primary problem. And all very astute answers, uh, Representative Jones, but you know, um, Mr. Klein did not answer. What the heck is Jim Eagle? <laughs> <laughs> and that is so funny coming from Joe Biden, who is Mr. Jim Crow himself. As a matter of fact, yeah, exactly. Joe Biden. Biden Yes, his best good friend that he eulogized and called his hero was a card-carrying chapter president of the KKK. And at the same time, that same member of the KKK voted against the Civil Rights Act. Now, that's Joe Biden's friend. But it's also Joe Biden's friend, Joe Biden himself, who did not want his kids growing up in a racial jungle. It was Joe Biden who set out to destroy many African Americans and their families with his crime bill. But this is also the same Joe Biden who said, who said that if you're black, uh, you must vote for him. The same Joe Biden who said recently, the reason why blacks were disproportionately affected by COVID is that they don't know how to go online and get information. So Joe Biden is the Joe Bigot, like many in the Democratic Party. But look, this is high tech usage. Democrats always want to get blacks to call Republicans racist. But you know who the real racists are? It's white liberals because they think that they know what's best for black people. And what you're seeing happening they're saying that this is going to be against black people, suppress black votes. But don't white Democrats and white and black Republicans have to adhere to the same law by showing an ID? Nobody can show me in this bill where it suppresses the black vote. What is suppressing the black vote is how white liberals use blacks to black Democrats to attack blacks and to call Republicans racist. Well, I'm a Republican. You can't call me a racist. I stand for everybody to be elected, everybody to have an opportunity. To, to vote if it's legal. And so this is high-tech lynching. And MSNBC, and I challenge your read when she calls Senator uh, Tim Scott a token for the Re Republican Party, I call her a token for the liberals and the liberal media. Now, she says she's going to have me on her show. Why hasn't she had me on her show? Where am I on CNN? Why don't they get me on and ask me about this bill? You know why? It's because they're using the blacks to carry the narrative. And they're using the same blacks, including Stacey Abrams and others, 
to contact corporate companies to tell them, oh, to be against this, don't let sports come here. But wait a minute, who's doing the bulk of that? These are outside groups. There's a group, a lesbian, a gay group, a black gay group out of Washington, D.C., who are telling black people and telling sports uh, the folks at the Masters not to have the Masters come to Augusta. Now, this same group is out of Washington, D.C., want to put out of work black people and black businesses and others who benefit from having the Augusta master, the Masters here. Uh, isn't that something? Outside groups telling us what to do in Georgia. They got enough problems in Washington, D.C. with the biggest, like um, Nancy Pelosi and, and Joe Biden uh, and Chuck Schumer, who takes one knee with a kente cloth around his neck. But wait a minute. The tribe that carried that kente cloth was the one that started slave trading. So aren't they the biggest, aren't they the Jim Crows? They wrote the laws. The hypocrisy of this. They're now literally putting people in buckets. That's what the Democratic Party is doing. And they are horrified by me and other blacks who are who just, we, we, we know what they're doing. And we're not going to tolerate that, even though the liberal media wants to silence us. Yeah. You know, if if voter ID is racist somehow, then I don't understand why passport, these health passports they're talking about are not racist also. Isn't that a form of ID? I mean, the, the, the hypocrisy, it just permeates everything they do. Phil, so it's clear that you don't believe the Georgia law was anywhere close to enough, but it did do some things right, perhaps. And this That's could right. be a start, perhaps, to other election reform laws across the nation, because Fact is, we have less than four years to get this right before the next election. And, and municipal elections are happening now and people are desperate for model legislation. There's a lot of work to be done. And as, as Vernon, uh, Representative Jones would say, you know, the way they carried out Jim Crow is to get government involved with certain private interests to run the elections to benefit sp specific candidates. And honestly, that's what happened this election. This funding of private money, millions of dollars into Fulton County, millions of dollars into Wayne County or Detroit and Milwaukee, pushed aside election officials and let the private sector run the election to the benefit of a candidate. It's the same strategy that the Democratic Party used in 2020, that the Democratic Party used at the turn of the 20th century to suppress the black vote and turn out the white vote. Although this time it was to turn out Democrats, government doing it, and suppress mm. Republicans. So we have to take a clear look at that, and some states are. Arizona's got a good bill that bans all private funding, and the legislature needs to get involved in election oversight directly. And I, I applaud uh, Representative Jones and all those who will stand up and call this this racist smear for what it is. It's just an effort to put out screaming screeches of politics rather than discuss policy. And the Democrat Party can't discuss policy because it's bankrupt on policy right now. Yeah, and Representative Jones, of all people, should know because he's one of the very few people, literally, that I've ever known who was once a member of that party, a lifelong member of the Democrat Party. And he began to see how the Democrat Party was using him in a very racist way, I don't want to put any words in your mouth, Representative, you can speak to this, but I guess the bottom line is, um, say what you want about that, and then answer this for me. Do the racist smears work against conservatives in the black community? Are they still working the way they used to? Or do you think that 
you know, we know, we know that Donald Trump had record number of black votes in this last election. Um, they will undoubtedly use these same smears again. My question to you is, are conservatives headed in the right direction on this, or are Democrats still effectively using this bucket tactic for votes, as you put it? Well, the Democrats has a, a big part in this. That's the liberal media and social media to carry out their narrative. The Republicans, in many ways, are losing this battle. Why? Because Republicans need to stand up like me and look directly at those white liberals and call them the racist and call them the biggest. If Chuck Schumer can call a Republican a racist, why can't a Republican look at Chuck Schumer and say, you are the ones who wore the one who wore the kente cloth. I dare you to put it back on again. You know why? Because it represents the tribe that started the slave trade. He won't do it. Dem Republicans have to stand up. That's why, that's why I joined the grand old party and brought a grand new party, grand new ideas, grand new people, grand new ideas, grand new opportunities. I want to help them to share, share and craft, help to share and craft the message so we can be much more effective. We need to go all out on them and call them from what they are. They're the wizard of Oz. One doesn't have heart, the other doesn't have brain, the other doesn't have courage. And so they play, what do they do? They play this race game, which is the most divisive thing they can do. And remember, this is, this is the oldest tactic in the world that liberals always did to blacks. Scare the blacks. Keep them on the plantation so they won't think freely. They won't vote for Republicans. They won't vote for a party that really has their best interests, creating jobs, creating business opportunities, keeping government out of your lives, and protecting women when it comes to female sport. And at the same time, to protecting our children. Why is it that the Democrats really are pushing to allow children to go through sex operations? The black community wasn't raised that way. I know they weren't. I was raised around them, and I can tell you, the things I'm saying right now, you cannot find a black person nowhere, I don't care how much of a Democrat he is, to sit around the table with me and tell me I'm not right and agree with me, but go right out there because they're afraid what the media's going to do, and they won't stand up and say anything about it. But that is changing because me and others like Burgess Owens and others, we're standing up to this. And you know what? Our choir is getting bigger. Their choir is getting smaller. Well, maybe, just maybe. That's the reason they're going to such great lengths to import new minorities that they can use for votes. Phil Klein, Representative Vernon Jones, thank you so much to both of you for being here. Thank you, Adam. Coming up, there's a story that I thought for sure was fake, but I cannot believe it's real. The satan satanic Nike shoes with human blood on them are real. And we're going to tell you about this disgusting, sickening, perverted story. Next, just what you wanted to hear, right? Don't go away. Stay with us. More coming at you. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Now, there's a story that when I first read it, I had it sent to me by a couple different people. I was absolutely sure it was fake. Rapper Lil Nas X has unveiled, I don't know who that is from Adam, actually, uh, has unveiled his special edition of custom Satan shoes 
to commemorate his new music video. That highlights, who else? Satan. But these shoes are a limited edition. Only 666 shoes have been made with pentagrams and even a drop of real human blood. What in the heck? is wrong with people. What is going on in this country right now? Here with me to discuss radio talk show host, Kevin McCullough. Kevin, good to have you on. I, you know, did you see the story? I heard about it and had to go uh, take a look at it. But yes, I've, I've been somewhat And then familiar. shower and then bleach yes. your brain. Yeah, I, I've got you on this. Yeah, and then pray a lot because something is desperately wrong with a nation that would even, that there would be a demand for something like this, um, you, you, you just really, Kevin. I mean, I thought it was a fake story when I first read it. Did you feel the same way? No, because the people that were talking about it were trusted sources, like my lovely bride, who had been following it for a couple of days on social media before it kind of hit the mainstream. But here's the thing: um, everyone's kind of giving Nike a free pass on this because they're saying, "Well, they're not really Nike's not really officially a part of it. They're just, you know, using Nike shoes to license it." Well, here's the thing. Um, if I'm Nike, I send them a cease and desist. I don't want my brand anywhere Absolutely. near them. So who's going to put human blood and satanic mm -hmm. pentagrams on their product and then uh, sit there and claim when you've got the Nike uh, swoosh logo as prominent as anything else on the shoe? And, you know, pe people can call me square. I don't care. But, you know, but this was the same shoe company that when uh, William or, uh, uh, Kaepernick, when, when Kaepernick had the problem with uh, – the Betsy Ross flag on the back of the shoe that they suspended that. So you can't have right. the, the mother of America who, who sewed the, the flag together, but you can have Satan's worship and human blood in them. Give me a break. It's, it's real. it's real. it's beyond disgusting. And uh, I, I, I just don't understand our culture today. Anyway, Kevin, in an unrelated story that might help stem the Satan uh, trend taking over the country, the headline says over at Just the News, homeschooling numbers soar amid continued school clothes, closings, signaling post-pandemic resilience. Kevin, getting kids out of public schools, you know, I was never one of these people screaming from the rafters, we've got to get kids back in school. I was never one of those people. All I could think about was, wow, we have all this money per student, um, let's give the money to a tutor or to uh, Christian uh, schools that did want to open. Forget about all the teachers that didn't want to go back to work in the teachers' unions. Let them go. Fire them if they didn't want to come back to work. And pick up where they left off, where they left off a long time ago, very frankly, and let people put that money toward private education, toward home education, uh, toward tutoring, um, toward Christian schooling, uh, whatever it is. But I think... In the long run, this whole COVID thing might just backfire in this way in particular. What do you think? Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. I think that there have been a lot of parents that have realized that they actually uh, survived homeschooling. And it's not for everyone and not everyone's going to do it. And I certainly stand with the parents who have paid their property taxes and want their schools open and know that they have kids who receive special services in particular that have lost ground. That would... Don't believe any single one of these studies that said that uh, students have have maintained or, or uh, got even surged ahead because that's that's bogus. There's nothing that proves that the science is no. clear. No, kids doubt. need school. But to the point of the uh, just the news story. Uh, yeah, I think that homeschooling ha will come out of pandemic with a much better rap than it had going in there in terms of people and pop culture and how they kind of viewed it. Because prior to this, you had 
primarily faith-based people and a handful of like real educational nerd granola types that were like, yeah, we're going to do the homeschooling thing. I think people have understood that maybe parents should be the best educators all along. And this gave them an opportunity to kind of see and to kind of understand curriculums and how their students interact with it a lot differently than maybe they had realized before. So this doesn't surprise me at all. If anything, I think it's going to end up being a good thing for kids that that will thrive in a homeschool environment. And you're going to have a lot more control over what that kid learns by way of faith, morals, virtues, all the kinds of stuff that you don't want the the public school uh, teaching them. You, You can do a really good job of teaching them at home. I think you just called me a nerd uh, on my own show, but that's okay. I actually wear that title really proudly. And I know I'm teasing you. And and my kids will definitely tell you they they make fun of uh, the years that we homeschooled because they definitely think that I was too strict and uh, they think hey, the whole I thing was is kind early of on at the generations of kids that got homeschooled. So I went through that a little bit uh, for. But that's right. I've forgotten that. Yeah, yeah you so. actually homes. That was really early because back when I homeschooled, you, you know, my kids that that seemed early. Texas at the time. Wow, that is that is amazing. That is amazing. Um, you know, and, and I do think you're right. I, I never meant to say, and I want to just clarify that kids shouldn't be in school. I just don't think the public school, government schools, are are doing much good for kids, if any. Um, but certainly, especially, you're right. The kids with special needs, like my son Samuel, um, really lost a lot of ground. Um, they need that consistency every single day, and and for them especially, or kids with mental deficiencies of any kind, mental illness and other things. I think uh, it costs lives. There's no doubt about that. Kevin, I want to ask you about your buddy, Anthony Fauci. Uh, he was highlighted <laughs> on CNN during <laughs> during the COVID special that they ran over the weekend. And I honestly could not believe he said this. When I saw what happened in New York City. Refrigerated trucks are now being mobilized as makeshift morgues. Almost overrunning of our health care system. It was like, oh, my goodness. And that's when it became very clear that the decision we made on January the 10th to go all out and develop a vaccine. We had a number of vaccine candidates. May have been the best decision that I've ever made with regard to an intervention as the director of the Institute. Kevin, I thought Joe Biden walked into the Oval Office and created that vaccine on January 20th. So I guess this is fake news from uh, Fauci. Well, I think Dr. Fauci has continued to be on every side of every issue related to COVID a few times. Uh, he just jumps back and forth like it's uh, some sort of uh, fence that uh, you have a trampoline on either side. But uh, to his credit, to President Trump's credit, Operation Warp Speed has been a spectacular success. There's no other way to describe it. And But he said on, him. He didn't attribute okay, any of that to Trump. No, he didn't. And I'm, I wouldn't expect him to do because he's self-serving. But he also said that um, that uh, remdesivir should be the, the, the primary therapy that people go to. And then after months and months and months of research and trial, we found out that hydroxychloroquine was really the thing that we could have been using from the beginning and in outpatient practice and to a much higher effectiveness than anything else that was out there. This There was so much politics related to those early days of COVID, and I don't trust any of the documentaries that don't come out and say otherwise. No, and Fauci, I think, is the most polluted, convoluted, uh, you know, probably paid off. God he's the highest paid public uh, here in America. I don't understand, but he certainly isn't worth it. That's right. That's right. All right, Kevin, uh, now it is time for our meme of the day. Mm-hmm. 
we see the character McLovin from the movie Superbad showing his fake COVID passport ID from Hawaii. Kevin, the fake COVID passport ID making business is going to be big, isn't it? Especially in your state of New York, where Cuomo is trying to make them absolutely mandatory. I know our governor, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis here in Florida today, said we will have no part of that. And he will uh, write, write legislation to opt us out of that in Florida. So you may just need to move here. I would like to quote my very good friend, Nicole <laughs> Sapphire, medical contributor from Fox News, who said, I support vaccines. I don't support vaccine passports. End of story. Very interesting. All right. Um, and so, you know, in terms of those who uh, on your in your radio audience that you've been listening to, I know in radio it's different. You get to there's so much give and take there. Um, what percentage of your audience is planning to get the vaccine? Oh, I think it depends on, on uh, an individual's circumstance. If you're in a vulnerable category, if you're older, if you're a little bit overweight, there's all kinds of things that have shown that you could be more at risk, and I think it makes sense to do that. I, I wasn't on any of the lists to get it early on. I don't plan on getting it unless I'm forced to to travel to another country or something that will require it of well, me. Well, see, you should have um, just, just been friends with Cuomo, and then you could have had your tests early, whether you needed them or not. You could have had your vaccine first. All that good stuff, Kevin. You just got to know who, who the right people are to uh, pat not their back. I'm not quite Italian anyway. enough to pull that off, Dr. Gina. You what? I'm not quite Italian enough to pull that off. I don't have a vowel at the end of my last name. <laughs> There you go. Well, you could always just add one. I mean, I think Democrats probably do that all the time. They become whatever race of the day they want to be. I mean, look at Kamala. Here she is trying to be the first minority vice president in the world. And uh, she's, you know, the descendant of slave owners who incarcerated lots of black people for petty drug crimes. So, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Always an honor. And thanks to all of you, everyone here at your new home for real news. It's RAV TV, Real America's Voice, live from Studio 6. Be up next with Damon and the crew. Hug your children, love your God. You go boldly now and live the truth.